substance abuse, self-sabotage or violent and negative patterns? Do you have anyone in your life that you feel could benefit from changing their behaviour? But do they want to change? And is it your place to even step in? If so, how would you go about it? This is episode 10 of Music, Spirit and Accountability with Jay Hode and Michael Cooper. Alright, so the age-old question. How do you help someone that doesn't want help? Now, this is uh, like opening a can of worms here and that <laughs> fine line between, you know, helping someone or thinking that it's your choice to choose to help someone or is it their choice to receive the help or are they even there to be helped i mean there's a million ways we can go about this so how do you feel about that brother that fine line between i guess being a healer and being a being a friend offering service uh what what do you feel about all this Mm. heard a beautiful expression uh maybe two weekends ago and it was actually a beautiful post i'll share the process was actually in a workshop and the guy that was running the workshop was a dear brother of mine and he was in the sales process and it was a ten thousand dollar sale so it's a big sale right and the ladies put a hand up and said yes absolutely yes i want to be the first person to buy this and um he says amazing beautiful she goes but i want to buy it for my husband and he said no and i'm like wow that's a ten thousand dollar sale you're saying no to her and he's like no she said, oh, well, you know, I really want to, you know, I really want to buy it for him. And he said, no, you can come and you can buy the ticket for you, but no, not, not, not for your husband. And she persisted. She's like, well, it'd be great for him. It'd be amazing for him. It'd be, he really needs this. And he said, I'm sure he does, but no. And he stood so firm on his no, he would not accept the sale. Yeah. And anyway, so she looped back around on it three times at later times in the day. And she said, well, can I, can my company buy it? And I gift it to someone in the company. He says, no. She said, your company can buy it and you can come. Yes, 100%. But no. And eventually he said, you can't buy change for someone. And I went, whoa. Yeah. So this guy knocked back a $10,000 sale with full integrity for his, you know, I, I was so floored at the integrity of this man to knock back a $10,000 sale because he says, no, you can't buy change for someone. You can come. And the reality is you probably need it more than anyone else, the fact that you're offering to change for everyone else. Yeah. Um, I, I thought that was really powerful. I think what a, the integrity of the man to knock back a $10,000 sale and say, no, you, yeah. you can't buy change for someone else. And I think that just brings in, you know, the kind of the whole point of this conversation is – I guess so. So my line in the sand on this is that I generally, I'll say generally, because almost a hundred percent of the time I don't go to offer my services to people. I only have I kind of have this rule where I let people gravitate towards me, and the people come, and and that works really well. Um, I've learned that through I guess you know experience of wanting feeling this desire to want to try and help someone but then going deeper into my own shadow of hold on a minute there's a bit of an ego check here of me thinking that i've got the skills to heal this person or to help this person maybe i do or maybe i don't but possibly it's not my decision to make Mm. yeah have you had an experience 
with a client that you didn't listen to that, where you maybe took them on board because you thought you could heal them or you could fix them and you thought you could elicit change? Um, I can't think of anything in that exact situation, but I always think of when I come out of like a week-long intensive training or something in some new modality, like I remember when I did my time with my, um, you know, Tantra training with Simon and Chantel, mm. and I'd come out in the weeks after that and be like, wow, I've just got so many answers for so many people and I'm, I mm. feel I can help all these people. Now I know this stuff, like if only I could just get to this person and share this knowledge for them, I feel like that would be a really profound shift in their life and a, have a really positive outcome. So I feel like, it's easy to be supercharged with that kind of energy, especially when you've finished um, some incredible mm. training where you've learned so so much about you know anything with with those modalities, even you know psychology of course and um, spiritual healing and, and even sound healing. Um, but no, I haven't had that exact experience. Um, you know, I feel like there's definitely that pull more so with family. You know, with family and friends mm. when you really want to just be like look, man, like, can you just like hear me out? And it's like, again, it's not really my place to do that. But yeah, that I feel like that shady energy of, of wanting to help, which is a beautiful, like, again, it's a fine line here between saying shady energy and a beautiful energy of like actually wanting to help. But the truth is, what is the shadow of wanting to give that help sometimes? You know, it's, it's there, but it's like, yeah, it's a fine line. So I, I agree. I see it a lot with families. I think the classic case would be the intervention where everyone gets around and goes, all right, the drug use or the alcohol is getting too far. We're going to do this intervention and we're forcing change on this person, which yeah. is ultimately a projection of our values onto this individual. Yeah. And, I, you know, if I take it back to that first story where the lady was saying, oh, but my husband could really do with this. Well, that's yeah. one, your judgment of him and it's an outward projection so whenever we project our values onto someone else we really need to look within and say well where am i doing that yeah and so you know we can only ever meet people to the, the, the to the degree that they're willing to go there themselves mm. you know you could have done this tantric course which i know you pulled down so much knowledge and gold and information from two absolute wizard teachers and mentors and if my cup for Tantra at that point, as you know, as much as my thirst for knowledge is there, if you come and met me the next week and my cup for Tantra was this big, yeah, you could pour all of that into me and I'm only going to receive this much of it. Yeah. You'll only ever meet me at the degree that I'm willing to meet myself. Yeah. And yeah, I think there's often a projection, be it from the healer or um the 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 well-meaning family member of, hey, my values are more important than yours or my values are better than yours and let me help you. So how do we go about this then if, if we're really feeling that? Um, I always sort of come back to that thing of, no, I'm not a healer. I'm not here to necessarily help you or coach you, although sometimes I guess I am. It's I'm here to share knowledge. That's, that's always my thing. I'm here to share knowledge. If you're coming to me for help, um, I'm here to share knowledge for you to choose the direction you want to take, to choose the path you want to take. So maybe, you know, this conversation is an invitation to, you know, be able to hold that space to, to try and come back to sharing 
thoughts or sharing knowledge without a judgment of what they should or shouldn't do. And also, I think the main point of this conversation today is to put an invitation out to anyone that's listening to this right now that if you think you may need some help with something then maybe this is the invitation for you to go and seek that help as opposed mm. to mm. someone you know trying to help someone else if you if you know what i mean i think what came through for me just then as you said that you know with an invitation out to the audience is and i asked you the question have you ever had a client that you took on and you thought wow i can i could really change your life here Mm-hmm. but they weren't overly invested and I've done that and I full disclosure I've done it for money you know yep. I did it because I needed the cash at the time and I'm like this is not my ideal client but I know I can make an impact and the cash will be great yeah so I've taken that client on and there was a grind in a uh, between our dynamics because that there was no integrity there yeah I knew my ideal client I knew my avatar and they weren't really invested either. So I'm forcing this square, square peg into a round hole, you know, like, and now what I would do in that scenario is I would turn it around and in the interview process or the application process, I would ask them to sell me. Why you? Yes. You know, have you consumed my content? Do you understand what I do? Why are you choosing me? Why, why do, would you want to work with me? What is the benefit to me working with you? And at that point, I'm asking them to really step in and owning their desire to change. At that point, the guy who's doing it, you know, if I have to sell them into my program or my coaching or my thing, it's the wrong person. Yeah. We're not aligned. Whereas if they come to me and, and like they do to you, you know, when they come to you, they're like, Jay, I really need to work with you. I've seen your work. I've done the thing. I've seen you at your concerts and traveling and all the thing i I don't know why i just need to be with you you know this is a good alignment but if i have to convince you we're not we're not a good fit yeah yep and i feel like that just kind of you kind of said what i said almost in a different way about sharing knowledge for them to choose to heal themselves or not like you've just shared that knowledge of okay here's some knowledge what do you want to do with it? Do you want to convince me to, you know, work with you or not? That's that's kind of the knowledge that I've just shared. If you want it, you know, if you want if you want it, share it with me. Share back what you think about that. And yeah, it's a it's a beautiful way to do it, brother. And I feel like that um yeah, that's that alignment is where we often go so wrong. But also to get to that place to be able to offer your gifts so clearly, um with without that attachment to the financial abundance you know coming your way like like you said before doing it for money you know it takes a while to get there as well and um you know and also some people are never going to get there so for those you know i guess yeah it's just coming coming back to our uh, most authentic offering that i can i guess yeah and that's it is honoring yourself first and choosing yourself first does this align with me does it feel good is this a good fit? Well, I, is it win-win? Yeah. You know, or am I having my way or forcing my way with you to get a desired outcome? And how beautiful would it be? Like, let's say, um, let's say my level of program is sitting here from a, a depth perspective and the person's just not ready for it. The best thing I could do at that time is to say, you know what? This guy right here is offering a package that is so in alignment with where you are right now. Yeah. It will resonate. You'll feel comfortable. You'll evolve. You'll be amazing. I think you should go there first because what they're offering is right in your wheelhouse. 
and maybe at another point in time in a different time and space you might be more aligned to with what i'm offering and you know one i'm edifying someone else in this point and i'm not just forcing someone down to make change because it suits me yeah yeah and i think that's what now we apply that to that's a business sense and yes i can understand how i can logically make that business decision but can we apply the same principle to the family member who we've got a set of values and we really desire them to change. What if we just sought to understand them a little better mm. as opposed to forcing change because they will change when they're goddamn good and ready. <laughs> well said. If the impetus is big enough, if the desire to change is big enough, if the pain they're currently sitting in is big enough, they will do what they need to do to make change. Yeah. And there's nothing that you and I could teach them, you know, in that window that would be big enough their their impetus to change would be far bigger than what we could teach them. The mm. change has already happened because they chose to. And it is so hard, it seems, with uh, this thing of wanting to help someone or um, something, you know, wanting to heal or wanting to help, especially when it's regard with regard to family members or people that you've, I guess, known the longest family, friends, best friends. And I think, you know, that, that, that journey that you've had with them of, you know, what's the difference between, say, a family member? Why is that the mm. case with a family member or a long-term friend compared to a complete stranger? That there's that all those things. And obviously with the family member, you've got that lifetime of experiences and those lifetimes or the lifetime of those experiences that you've then gone and created stories from Um mm and then created new stories layer upon layer to then get to the point where you have this new experience with them then because you think you've had maybe all those other experiences with them and had those stories around those experiences you feel like oh no i definitely know i can help you because remember that time back when we were seven and you did that thing like remember that and i heard somewhere i think it was in a joe Dispenza text or somewhere about these stories that we create from our experiences, apparently something like every 20 years, I'm sure it was Joe Dispenza, um, every 20 years or 30 years, you actually rewrite the complete story. So in our head, from that experience that happened 30 years ago, the story that we've told ourselves so many times over has actually been completely shifted and changed from what we originally thought it was. Apparently that's a truth of some description. So my understanding of that was we have 20 to 60,000 thoughts per day. And the, the, right now that number's escaping me, but, but from I think it's from the age of 21, we have no more new thoughts. Wow. We just regurgitate the same old thoughts. And as you said, we rewrite that story to what we, to confirm our bias as to what we believe it should be, which will suit our needs right now. Yeah. So we just keep rehashing these same thoughts over and over again. And the same story plays out. Um, it's interesting, I think, too, where you're talking about, say, family members versus a stranger. And the stranger we actually look at and witness as the observer because we don't know anything about them. So we're more inquisitive. We're like, okay, what's – we're less judgmental. We're more curious. Yeah. Whereas with the family member, and I know in the past I used to do this a lot with romantic relationships – where I had this assumption, hey, you've lived with me now for one to two years, three years maybe. You should know better. 
because you are me now. Like you, and all of a sudden they lose this freedom to make mistakes. They lose this because my assumption is they should know better. And they lose all of the, the, the flexibility and freedom that we afford to complete strangers. Um, which is obviously it should be the opposite, but we, you know, the human conditioning of us, um, we make these assumptions and it's based on the stories that we tell ourselves. Yeah. Which is, which was back then quite unfair of me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love the way you speak about that too, brother. I'd love to, um, hear a little bit more on your thoughts too, about what you said before about the, like the, say the AA meeting, right? So the families seeing that someone in the family's got a problem, they feel with alcohol, other family members are agreeing with this story. Uh, therefore they have this thing where they get, get them together for this kind of Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Now we know that um, they have been, you know, life-changingly profound for, I'm mm. sure, thousands, maybe millions of people as well. Millions. So yeah. in no way disregarding that. But um, you could also see it going the other way for a lot of people where they're like, no, this is not safe. This is not okay with me. You've crossed my boundaries and I'm not in a place that I want to change for anything. So... Um, could you offer like another solution to an uh, an intervention, or what? What do you feel about that? Even if it's not a solution, like I'd love to hear some more of your thoughts on on intervention. So I've actually had an experience with that particular case um, recently, where I chaperoned someone into that space of AA, and the first rule of AA is um, they need to choose to walk through the door. They need to choose to be there, which is this whole conversation, right? Um, they will not force someone. They will not drag someone. They will not accept someone who's been dragged by a family member. Mm -hmm. It needs to be the individual's choice, which is this whole topic, right? The interventions that we're referring to now where the family members all come around and they lock the door and they go, right, we're here and it's aggressive and it's dictatorship and it's uh, suppressive there's no hey where you know it's there's no compassion there's no understanding and i think that's where it goes completely wrong and that's yeah. ultimately saying to the individual who is in this case maybe the alcoholic or drug user hey your version of reality doesn't stack up we don't like that we want to dismantle it change it and we want you to adopt our version of reality every human in their own right should rebel against that because what you're doing is it's narcissistic yeah. it's saying your version of reality sucks and we need you to change it. And we're forcing this change on you. And no wonder it's met with defense because every time you try and dismantle my reality, that's the scariest place for a human being to be is, holy shit, the world that I thought of it as real has just been told it's not real. And yeah. I am not entitled to have that reality. Now I'm in very shaky and scary positions. The first thing I'll do is go to fight and flight. I'm like, let's, 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 let's go on. I'm going to defend this with all my might now. And this is why it never works. Yeah. You know, this is why it needs to come from this place of compassion and understanding and gentleness. And the first thing is to enable them their version of reality. Encourage it highlight the benefits to it because at some point they've derived a benefit from being this way. Maybe it gives them confidence. Maybe it gives them social acceptance. Maybe it gives them community. Maybe it gives them <clears throat> whatever benefit they're deriving from it. And they're conscious to those benefits, which is why they keep running this pattern. 
However, they're unconscious to the disadvantages that it's ruining their life or they're pushing family members away and they're unconscious to that. Mm. So the first thing is to actually bring it into the awareness that, hey, we can see that you've got this pattern going on and, and it's actually helping you in certain areas. And all of a sudden the defenses come down because they're like, I'm not being wronged here. Yeah. But what you need to do is walk them into the space of actually disclosing these benefits themselves, not me telling them. Hmm. And, and simply asking, you know, what, what, what is the benefit? What benefit do you get from drinking every day? What is happening for you? Oh, it makes me feel good. Amazing. Yeah, wow. And what is that feeling? Like, does it feel like euphoric or does it feel, do you feel strong? What, are the, what is the feeling coming through? If you need sort of help coach it out of them. Yeah. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I'm not defensive because you're curious. Yeah. You're actually asking me about what's good for me. Yeah. All right. Cool. And and you just encourage it. You lead into it. You go with it. Have no judgment over the fact that they're drinking to feel confident. It's just this is their reality. It's like, yeah. yeah, well, I can see how you would get there. Amazing. And is there has there been any drawbacks? You know, what do you, have you seen anything that's not really working for you with this pattern or behavior? Oh, look, I feel a bit average in the morning or, you know, whatever they come up with. You just go, yeah, wow. And you encourage those as well. And all of a sudden we're starting to neutralize this charge that we had over it originally, bring it back to neutrality, which is not polarized. Yeah. Then we can have a conversation with them, a balanced conversation around, right, and, and which one is serving you right now? And is there some things that you'd like to let go of? Mm-hmm. Have you thought about, you know, and then we can have this conversation about stepping in to get help. Yeah. And it's about encouraging their version of reality, enabling it, encouraging it, celebrating it, and then providing the polarity for helping them provide that polarity. People would be far more receptive when they've been seen, when they've been validated, and they've been acknowledged. Yeah, 100%. And yeah, the way you answered that question, brother, I just, yeah, 110% on everything you just said. I think, um, you know, those those age-old questions of, um, you know, that what do you need? We've spoken about that before. Mm. It's, it's just, is there anything I can do to help you? What do you need? Not even is there anything that I can do to help you? What do you need? You know, putting it on you, what do you need? Um, yeah. But with that gentleness and then going into those other aspects of the story, like you said, the negative aspects is just so much potency with that and just feeling them and witnessing that that energy and um you know again just closing that with look if there's anything i can do for you i'd love to hear more on your story stuff like that feeling that safety that trust obviously not crossing your own boundaries to the best of your ability to make time to hear their stories you know if you you don't want to hear that story ten thousand times that's something that i've actually said to people before is Mm. I've, i've heard this story you know, a hundred times before, um, would you like to keep repeating it moving forward? Um, what, what would you like me to do? Would you like me to kind of just sit here and, and listen to the same combinations of words and this story, um, over and over? Cause I'm open to that, but I just want to make sure I'm giving you back what you need in noticing this pattern that you keep telling me the same story over and over. So I'm giving you in return what you are hoping to get out of telling me the same thing over and over and that that's just such a great way to 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 change the current bring that Mm. safety 
and that space again there's a fine line between being condescending um a, sim uh, a simple yeah. characteristic of a word said in a higher or a lower tone can really uh insinuate that condescending nature so so beware of that and watching the the, the tone beneath but it's amazing how quickly when often when you give people that space to feel into their own story feel into their own truth feel into where they're coming from and why are they coming to that and bring that to you um mm. such powerful tools i think what helps in that delivery of those questions is wiping our mind of all of our preconceived stories or ideas or beliefs about what they're about to say and genuinely adopt that you know how kids they ask why why but they genuinely want to know because they don't know yet so when i lose that I know nothing and right now what you're about to tell me is the first time i'm hearing this yeah and get really inquisitive like okay yes and how can i understand this to for you help me understand you more and it's like yeah and celebrate it don't don't judge it just celebrate it and you go yeah wow and i'm, I'm really curious how did you how did you get there like um did something happen or was there an event or i'm wondering what led you down that path with genuine curiosity and an open heart, I think that will come through and permeate through with your energy. Um, I've had many of these conversations and I'm genuinely like not trying to get a res result yeah. or a solution or an outcome that I want. Yeah. I'm like, how, how can I understand you a little bit more? I think there it is right there, mate. You just, just nailed it. Like coming into it without looking for a specific desired outcome and you may have one you know we may have one that mm. like oh i just prefer you didn't drink any alcohol or you weren't an ice addict or whatever the outcome was but coming into that conversation being completely at peace with mm. the unknown with, with yeah. that non-attachment to the outcome right um, which seems to be a reoccurring theme um, mm. for a lot of these conversations but there's something in that that's huge it's a game changer Massive. a cleanliness a cleanliness and authenticity of energy that's hard to ignore, hard not to feel in your heart. Imagine if we added one level to it and we said, what can I learn from you right now? Yeah. Imagine if you were my teacher as yeah. opposed to me thinking, you know, because that original projection that comes through is that my way is better than your way or I know more than you or I'm more wise than you. Imagine if we flipped it and said, this is my mentor. Yeah. Teach me. Yeah. <sighs> On that note, brother, we're going to close this chapter for today. Thank you so much once again, Mr. Michael Cooper. You are just such an incredible human to me and uh, honoring your magic. Thank you so much. I love you, brother. Mm -hmm. Talk to you very soon.